Welcome to the underground. Turn me up, bitch! My Little Underground with Peter A. Level 42 of My Little Underground. I'm Peter A. Don't forget to subscribe anywhere you get podcasts and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. It's Peter underscore A. And follow the show as well at MLU Pod, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you're following me on social media, you may have noticed that I've been posting some of my favorite albums of the year. Every year for the past like four years or so, I've been sharing 30 days of my favorite albums of any given year in December. You know, people like the holidays around this time, but for me, it's the best music of the year. I love it. That's my celebration during this time of giving, so to speak. And today, I want to share with you some of my favorite albums of the year for for the, the second half of the year. Because if you remember, I did a show with my good friend Connor, and we went through our favorite albums of the year up until June. That was the midterm report. Love doing that. Um, this is the finals. So yeah, I'm getting my grades in. 15 songs, or albums rather, that I loved after June. But there's one or two from earlier in the year that I kind of, I don't want to say left out. Yeah, I guess I left out because I wasn't feeling those particular albums that much when I initially heard them. But then I listened to both of those albums back, and I realized how much I love them. They grew on me, so to speak, and we'll get to those later. Um, I want to start with Homeboy Sandman and his latest album, Dusty. And last year, if you remember, he did an album with Eden, Humble Pie, one of my favorite albums of 2018. That album was... Incredible. The production was very spooky and it had an old school sound, but ran through a modern filter, if that makes any sense. And it's just a remarkable listen and it's very short and concise. The lyrics are kind of out there in space and they're kind of post apocalyptic in a way. Um, and Homeboy Salmon does a great rant of the internet age. <laughs> Never use the internet again. It's it's very, very funny. I definitely would check that out. But this year, he's back on my top 30 with Dusty. And the one thing I loved about this album and last year's Humble Pie was the fact that he worked with one producer. Yeah, last year was Eden. This year was Mono and Stereo. And I love artists, especially rap artists, that stick with a handful and, if I'm lucky, just one producer because I feel this is my own opinion that when a rapper works with one producer you get a consistent sound and it's almost like a journey ah, that's cheesy not a journey but almost like um it's almost cinematic in a way to hear a consistent flow of sound no real sharp turn in direction even though that's okay in, in some instances. And I remember last year, Tommy Genesis, she worked with um, Charlie Heat. And that was remarkable. One, well, because Charlie is such a great producer. So it doesn't matter if she worked with, you know, a few other ones. But her just sticking with Charlie made it so much better. And you can hear sometimes, well, sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not that the chemistry kind of just between two artists just work. And Homeboy Sandman just knows his producers. And with Eden, his chemistry was sharp. And with Mono and Stereo on Dusty, it's just as sharp. He just took the knife that he... His artistic knife, so to speak, and just sharpened it. Or axe. Whatever violent weapon that you choose musically. Uh, I don't know where I'm getting at with that one. But um, <laughs> Dusty is uh, a remarkable um, hip-hop album. It is... You know, Homeboy Sandman's lyrics are very... Uh, I guess, esoteric, even though sometimes you can kind of pull, you know, from what he's talking about, uh, especially my favorite song on the album, Picture on the Wall, and I believe it's about his girlfriend, and I think it's the most romantic song of the year. Um, it is so beautiful, and the production is so soulful, and it's something you would play when you invite your girlfriend, lover, 
or whomever over to your house just to listen to and to vibe out so to speak and it's great to play in your car it's great to walk around to and um just a very beautiful sweet song and usually well some rap songs when they talk about love it's not really love it's usually very sex or pornographic and there's nothing inherently wrong with that but when you hear so much of songs about one night stands and I guess, for lack of a better term, non-monogamous relationships, it's good to hear um, someone talk about that one person in their life. Not judging people who are non-monogamous, but I love to hear songs. I love romantic. I love, I'm a hopeless romantic, I guess. Uh, hopeless is a very, uh, you know, that's kind of messed up. Hopeless? To be hopeless. But anyway, I'm a romantic. I like romance. And to hear uh, Homeboy Sam and do that on Dusty is quite remarkable definitely would recommend that um and keeping the new yorkness of this portion of the show going homeway salmon is from queens my next album on the list weeping icon they dropped their self-titled debut album a follow-up so to speak to their ep in 2017 uh eyeball under remarkable um now this album is awesome so great because if you if you have if you, if you've seen weeping icon live for the past three years like i have and they've seen their trajectory and how they how they've grown um you would definitely appreciate this album like i do um it's very noisy it's unsettling but in the best way possible you know it's almost like an art gallery but it's not too artsy that it kind of you know is unwelcoming you know what I mean? Like, they're trying to make songs, not just soundscapes or just experimenting for the sake of ex- experimenting. And, you know, kind of, they're not trying to be the an- antithesis of pop music on purpose. They just kind of are. But they still know how to create an interesting song. And they talk a lot about social media on songs like, like Envy um, and how we're just kind of just sucked into it and just kind of using it as validation of our lives when it's kind of meaningless and it's it's so great because you know i love those girls um i I remember when they first started and seeing some of their early shows and they just they're not trying to you know they, they go at their own pace and they're not trying to be, like, the biggest band in the world. Like, they're not trying to be Rolling Stones or Foo Fighters or whoever, any kind of stadium act. They're just kind of being themselves and seeing where that might take them. And as far as, you know, albums, especially, like, in the in the punk noise field, like, you know, this, you know, album is, it definitely stands out, I think, because... You, the noise rock thing, I love noise rock, but a lot of, not a lot of it, I can't say that, but, you know, there, there are some acts that kind of, they're better live than they are actually making a focused, concise album, you know what I mean? And Weeping Icon, definitely, they know that they're musicians, if that makes any sense, they're not just playing songs just to make pure noise and just kind of entertain a lot, a drunken crowd that wouldn't care what you're doing just as long as something's coming out of the speakers. No, they want to make something that will, you know, grab your attention and keep you interested. So Weeping Icon, definitely one of the most interesting New York groups. Former guests on the show. And I'm not just saying that because they've been on My Little Underground. I'm saying that because they are objectively an amazing group that you definitely should check out. Weeping Icon. Um, Transitioning to upstate New York, Buffalo, for my next album, Griselda. Now, if you don't know Griselda, Griselda is a group and uh, imprint made up of Benny the Butcher, Westside Gun, and Conway the Machine. And they just recently signed to Eminem Shady Records. And this group has been very, very uh, active in the hip-hop world this decade, dropping mixtape after mixtape, EPs over here, singles over here. Um, and I think they are one of the most exciting acts in the street rap um, realm of hip-hop realm of hip-hop because I feel like 
when you know when rappers talk that street talk some of these people you know have seen certain things and they're kind of just painting a picture you know artists like jay-z nas biggie and even 50 cent in a way has done a great job of painting a picture and not just kind of just exploiting a lifestyle to make money which some people have done you know when you have you know a good chunk of rap songs on the radio you know that have a lot of slick gangsterisms you, you kind of try to you're kind of seeing that people are just trying to make a quick buck off of a certain lifestyle and a certain image and I'll, Griselda is the opposite of that. They are not making any radio records. At, doesn't mean they're not trying to make interesting songs. They're just not trying to be on the wave. You know, they're going to be successful in their own right. And the biggest rapper probably in the world, or Eminem, took notice of this. And I, I just want to say that I think Eminem signing Griselda is probably the greatest move that he's done for his imprint since signing 50 Cent. I believe that. Shady 2.0 was, you know, interesting at first, but nothing really happened with it. I personally think Slaughterhouse is, was overrated. You know, they were very talented. All four of those rappers were very interesting in their own way. They were, they, they were good rappers, but, you know, when they came together to put out an album, they're not really album guys, you know what I mean? They, they had put out some mixtapes, and they had one album, you know, an underground album before signing with Eminem that was pretty cool, but... I don't know. It's just something was missing there. I don't know what it was. You know, it's not that they're, they're, they can't rap. It's just I just wasn't, you know, as I got older, I'm like, I don't know if I'm into this anymore. You know what I mean? I was missing. It was missing something. But Griselda has has it, if that makes any sense. You know, if you if you like watching The Sopranos, if you like Goodfellas, you're going to like Griselda. And this album, um, what would Sheen do? And Sheen is actually the brother of the late brother of. Benny the Butcher and a cousin of West Side Gun, and this album was a tribute to them, to him. And these guys do a great job of painting the picture of being in the streets, being a drug dealer, or whatever you're, you know you want to call it. But it is um, very gritty. The production is dark and it's very unsettling. But it definitely kept my interest throughout the whole thing. It wasn't even that long, too. I think it was uh, maybe about 15 tracks or so. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, they can wrap their asses off, but they're not, you know, trying to impress you with all these quick flows or whatever. They're actually trying to say something and try to paint a picture of what it's like to be in the street. And it's not very positive. It's not. You know, I feel like there's a little glorification when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like, it's not cool being a drug dealer, but some people have, you know, it, they're doing what they have to do to survive or try to get them to, you know, a certain place in society to get them, you know, to protect their families or just just kind of take advantage of what's around you. You know what I mean? Um, I think Griselda do a great job with that, and I can't wait to see what they're going to do in the next decade. Um, so definitely check out that Griselda album, What Would Sheen Do? It's, I think, it's titled on Spotify, WWCD, but if you just look up Griselda, it'll pop up. Um, what's next? What's next? Number 17. Ah, well, this makes sense. Um, continuing in the street rap discussion, look no further than Freddie Gibbs and Madlib. This bandana album, one of my most anticipated albums of this year, and I must say, they over delivered in my opinion the production was on point um again another street rapper what well, i want to pigeonhole freddie gibbs as a street rapper even though he talks a lot a lot of that street talk he does it so well he does paint a picture like i feel like i'm i'm listening to like menace to society and uh, boys in the hood i feel like i'm listening to that when i'm hearing this the sopranos or the irishman i know that's big right now um i still haven't seen it yet uh well sidetrack i disabled my netflix account Whenever, like, my shows go blank, like, glow, love that show. When that stopped, I'm like, okay, I don't need this anymore. But, you know, I like Robert De Niro, but I don't know. I heard it's three hours, three plus hours. I don't know if I want to do do that right now. I don't, I don't know if I want to sit through a three plus hour movie, even though I might watch it eventually. I don't know. I shouldn't judge, you know, anything without seeing it. But um, Bandana, Freddie Gibbs, Madlib. Um, if you remember, they did an album together in 2014 
uh, Pinata, I thought was good. It was it was good. You know, you know, was it my favorite album of that year? Probably not, but I thought it was good. The production was cool. You know, Freddie Gibbs, you know, told a great tale of losing a girl, which is also awesome. And it wasn't just promiscuous. It wasn't pornographic. Again, not judging the style of music, but it's just another example of how rappers and musicians can be romantic without being cheesy or pornographic or whatever. But um, Bandana, very interesting album. Here's the, my only real criticism of this album. Um, if you notice, the album cover has Quasimodo on top of the Hollywood sign looking over Hollywood or L.A. And it's like kind of burning. It's kind of the apocalypse is happening, happening around Quasimodo. And I thought, maybe I was stupid of thinking this, that Quasimodo would be on this album. He was not. I was furious. But the album was still great. And the one thing I loved about this was, especially the track, uh, what song was it? Half Man, Half Cocaine. Very, very interesting song, because it kind of just, the tone of the song switches up completely, and the first half of the track, Freddie Gibbs is uh, talking about having sex, and, and the second half of the song, right to the drug talk, and the beat changes up, and I love it. Very exciting listen. And if you like that street street stuff, that slick gangster stuff, this is the album for you. This and Griselda. Um, switching gears almost entirely. And I mean entirely. Because this next album is a country album. Oh yeah, a country album. And I don't listen to too much country. You know, uh, I don't hate country music i don't but you know listening to country radio you know a lot of those songs are a bit monotonous and uh, the stereotypes that come with country are not great you know the pickup trucks the the consistent liquor talk um it's not really for me and the there's a little God talk, a little, you know, patriotic talk, which is okay. It's not terrible. It's not something I would listen to regularly. But my only problem with some of the songs that they play on country radio is that it's a, a lot of dudes. And it's a lot of dudes talking about the same things. And generally, they kind of sound the same. And, hey, some people might say, you can say the same thing about rap. But um, with, with hip-hop music, and especially on the radio... At least there's like some charisma. There's um, some of the production are kind of just weird and abstract, and you know they taking there's a creativity level with with some of these stereotypical country songs. They're not all that creative, and they're kind of surface level. You know, talking about the same specific topics, and they're not really painting you a picture. Or it's just very just here it is. Here's what I'm talking about, and this you know it's it's almost too straightforward. And I think music. Music can be straightforward, but, like, I want some sort of ambiguity. You know, I want to wonder about something. But I don't want to, like, put country in a, you know, in a hole. You know what I mean? Because there's some great country artists. Like, um, this artist that I've been listening to a good chunk of the year. Well, at least until this album came out. The High Women. And the High Women are a super group made out of Brandy Carlisle. And I'll give you the list of the other women in just a sec, let me look it up. Um, but they put out a, their self-titled debut this year, and it was remarkable. And their whole thing is to try to combat combat all the things that I was talking about about country music and the lack of women being showcased on country radio. But my thing is, side note, who gives a shit what country radio was playing? Just make great music, and people will come to you. That's it, and that's exactly what the high woman did. And the high women are made up of Brandy Carlisle, Natalie Hemby, Marin Morris, and Amanda Shires. And this album was remarkable. So beautiful. You know, there's some twang in there, and their, their lyrics are very interesting, like crowded table. You know, that can mean a lot of different things. It can mean you want a group of people being represented in a certain instance, I don't know, be it a corporate table or a crowded table at Thanksgiving with your family and friends. It can mean a lot of different things to different people. Well, at least in my opinion. 
and it's a gorgeous song, lots of great melodies. Well, the whole album was full of lush, beautiful harmonies, beautiful voices too, um, very stellar twang production. Like I feel when I'm listening to this album, I feel like I'm on a field in Nashville and a barbecue is about to happen, and it's like a warm July night, and there are very, very little, well, I don't think there are any country stereotypes on this album, not at all, you know, and I love that, and I think people who say, who write off country so easily, they should listen to The High Woman, because it's definitely everything that the stereotype of country is not, you know what I mean, and I love that, and speaking of really awesome, talented women, a woman, singular, Rhapsody, she dropped an album this year, Eve, and the concept of this album, similar to what the high women want in the country world, Rhapsody wants in the hip-hop world, or, you know, just women in general, um, this album was basically, each song was about a woman that Rhapsody looks up to. So the title of most of the songs on the album were named after women she looks up to, like Aaliyah, probably my favorite song on the album, Oprah, and who else is on here? Um, I forgot. But this album was so great because a lot of it is basically just Rhapsody going through, you know, certain things about, you know, women's place in hip-hop. You know what I mean? Like... You know, she kind of refers to men calling women bitches on, you know, some of their songs. And and just Rhapsody showing that there's multiple ways that women can be represented in hip-hop. And you, know, you know what I mean? And it's not to say that, you know, the stereotype of women in hip-hop, at least over the last 20 years, has been, you know, very sexual. You know, not to throw no shade at artists like Lil' Kim, but she definitely used her sexuality in her music. I'm not saying that she used her sexuality to get popular, but she has a lot of, you know, sexuality in her music, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, I love Lil' Kim, but, you know, there's been a lot of, at least the women's perception in hip-hop music has just been sexualized, a little over-sexualized, and, you know, artists like... Queen Latifah was the opposite of how women were portrayed in society. You know what I mean? It was mostly just about, you know, women speaking their mind, women empowerment and stuff like that. And I think Rhapsody is cut from that cloth. You know what I mean? And the the opposite of of Rhapsody, Cardi B, and you know what I mean? She's a former stripper, but yeah, she, you know, her music is a little sexy, but it's not all of it. You know what I mean? Not all of it is, is about, a lot of it is about her come up. And it just shows you that Women in hip-hop or just hip-hop music in general or just music in general is, you know, it's a melting pot. You know, the problem comes when everything is monotonous and everything is the same. And that's the problem. You know, if every other rapper, or especially every other female rapper is talking about their genitalia, you know, the guys do it too. If every other dude is talking about it's like, who, what's the point of all of this? You know what I mean? It's good to have variety. Variety is the spice of life. And I think... Rhapsody represents that spice. You know what I mean? And if you want a good, not just, I don't believe in female hip-hop. You know what I mean? Like, female hip-hop is not a genre of music. You know what I mean? Rhapsody just so happens to be a woman that raps very, very well. You know what I mean? And whenever she drops, especially that Layla's Wisdom album two years ago, remarkable stuff. I'll put that up against any rap album this decade or this year. And Eve is no exception. Definitely check that out. Especially Aaliyah. Definitely um, start with that one. Well, it's in the, be- the beginning of the album anyway. So you have no choice but to start with that. <laughs> um, let's see what else we got here. We got a lot left. So don't go anywhere. Um, oh, switching gears almost entirely again. We're going the folk route. Oh, yeah. My girl Shannon Lay. Her new album, August, came out this year. In August, rather. Um, imagine that. And for those who don't know, Shannon Lay is the guitarist in Feels, a band out of L.A., which I love as well. And I got to meet her at a Feels show not too long. Well, I met her once before. We did an interview when I was in college. Um, And we talked about The Simpsons in that interview when I was doing college radio. And when I ran into her at Alphaville in Brooklyn, 
And she recommended this great podcast to me, Talking Simpsons. And they just kind of go through each episode and they analyze it. And it's, it's very, very well researched. Unlike, <laughs> unlike my show, I'm just talking from my head. But um, uh, yeah, I love Shannon Lay. I think she's so talented. And I think it's great that she can... She's very diverse as an artist. She can play loud, beautiful garage rock tunes, punkish songs, and turn around and make a beautiful folk album. You know what I mean? Um, I love that. And a lot of these songs on August are, I guess, a step above her last couple of solo albums. There's a lot of different soundscapes, a lot of different instruments. And she makes these lush, beautiful um, folk songs that, you know what? When I was coming home from work one day and I put this album on, it just put me right to sleep. Not in like, not that it was boring. It wasn't boring at all. It was beautiful. But it was so relaxing that it kind of put me to sleep. And I definitely recommend um, that album. Shannon Lay, August. Definitely check that out. Um, Water From Your Eyes, former My Little Underground guests. Uh, they put out their second album, Someone Else's Song. And Water From Your Eyes is one of the most creative albums. Or are, <laughs> are one of the most creative artists coming out of New York because they definitely challenge themselves. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of artists, a lot of bands out of Brooklyn kind of have a similar garage punk noise inspiration. Water from your eyes is like the opposite of that. You know, they have some indie rock in their foundation, but they have a lot of creative, weird electronic soundscapes that make you want to dance too. So they're kind of like a, an indie group and a, uh, like a dance house act mixed all in one to create this unique thing that is water from your eyes. You know what I mean? It's hard to put them in a genre box, and I think that's great, you know? Um, and all these songs are just, one, so creative, a little long too. Some songs here run over into nine minutes, you know what I mean? Like, they make you want to dance and just kind of just, like, sit there and just, like, what? What's going on? Like, a lot of times when I heard this album first, I'm like, what the hell did I just listen to? Go back, listen to it again. I'm like, whoa, so beautiful. Definitely give that a listen. Water From Your Eyes, someone else's song. It's great to hear artists who challenge themselves, you know what I mean? And especially challenging themselves from their last album because there have been some sophomore albums from some rising acts that have been very disappointing because they kind of start creative, creative, and they go to blandness. Water From Your Eyes is the opposite. Not that their last album, All The Dance, was bland. It was not. It was awesome. But they're kind of taking it a step further. They're bringing their sound and kind of just expanding it. And I love that. Water From Your Eyes, someone else's song. Oh, man, this next group, Twin. Now, they're from, they're based out of Nashville, I believe. And I got to see them at Amityville Music Hall on Long Island. And they opened for White Reaper. And they were so great because when I had them on the show, their former guests as well, they said, we just want to make twin music. You know what I mean? Because they basically told me that their next album could sound completely different. And they put out their debut album, Awestruck, this year. And I remember earlier this year, they, they dropped the first single, Waste, and it was awesome. You know, they had a lot of like... Noisy, not noisy, I guess noisy, some dream pop elements to their music, and the vocals are kind of uh, almost like Cock Two Twins-like, like you don't know what they're saying, but you, you know, you appreciate the, the soundscape they're trying to create, and that's kind of like the rest of this album, like a lot of the main vocal, the vocals of this album are just kind of just, I don't know what the, what's going on, I don't know what is being said, but I love the sound that they're trying to create, and Every song on Awestruck, well, majority of the songs sound very different from each other. They stand out. You know what I mean? And I love that. And, uh, you know, some indie rock albums that come out recently have been a little bland. I'm not saying the whole style or whatever is bland. I'm just saying that some, some of these bands are just like, dude, they're either trying to sound like their favorite band or they're just not doing anything interesting. You know what I mean? Like... Nothing stands out, but this group, Twin, definitely stands out, especially Honey Smacks. That's one of my favorite songs on the album. 
Um, it's so beautiful. It's so positive and sonically. You know what I mean? It's very uplifting. It makes you, one, want to have a giant bowl of honey smacks and at the same time kind of dance while eating the bowl of cereal and just kind of hang out with your friends on a on a summer evening. That's what it sounds like to me. Um, but I definitely would give uh, Twain a listen to if you like that dream pop stuff, but, you know, not monotonous. Everything sounds different. Yeah, like I said, a lot of these songs sound very different from each other. Twin, Awestruck. Uh, what's next? Oh, man. Great Grandpa. Let me tell you about this group. This Seattle. These, these Seattle homies, man. They are a, an, an example of a group that totally evolved their sound. You know what I mean? Their first album, uh, Plastic Cough, I enjoyed immensely. Beautiful album. But it sounded like other bands. You know what I mean? Like, it had a Speedy Ortiz kind of vibe to it. You know? But there was something about them that were like, okay, this is Great Grandpa, but it still sounds like other bands. It sounds like stuff they were listening to. Um, which I don't really love all that much, but I did enjoy that album. Because... Not all of the songs kind of sounded like a Speedy or T song, you know what I mean? Um, they had a lot of emo tendencies, but in the best way possible, you know what I mean? Um, they were very, they were trying to do be versatile on on, on Plastic Cough, but uh, their latest album, Four of Arrows, remarkable, beautiful album. Um, not as garagey or punk as Plastic Cough. But again, they definitely are evolving their sounds, using a little more synth, a lot more uh, laid-back arrangements, but uh, still just stunning and gorgeous. And I think this was the album they've probably wanted to make. You know what I mean? I feel like this is great grandpa. You know what I mean? They're telling the world like this is this is who we are, and it's almost like the perfect sophomore album. Like, like usually a band, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes a band's first album is like a little rough around the edges and they don't really know who they are. They're kind of wearing their influence on their sleeves a little bit. Um, Plastic Cough was like the quintessential debut album, but this one, uh, man, Great Grandpa really outdone. They, they just, they're taking their sound to another level and I cannot wait to see what they're going to do next. And I'm um, still beating myself up. I never got to see them live. Um, the last time they were in New York before this album came out, uh, they were at the Brooklyn Bazaar, uh, but I couldn't make it. I th- was it snowing or something? Was I think I was working or something. Um, maybe I was too tired to go. They were playing with, I think, who are they playing with? Were they playing with Wild Honey? I don't remember. But, um, and they were in Brooklyn recently too, but I missed that. I don't know what I was doing. Maybe I was just too lazy. Yeah. Yeah, they were at Elsewhere. Damn. I think they're coming back to New York soon. I think. I hope. But yeah, Great Grandpa. Four of Arrows. Go check that album out. It's so beautiful. Um, Dominic said, Yeah, the villain. Uh, former guest on My Little Underground. She dropped her debut album, Visitor. Now, this is another example of artists, of an artist that's evolving their sound. That's not trying to stay in a rut creatively and trying out different things. Because the front woman of, well, the lead... It's a solo act, so I guess you call it the front woman of her own project. Um, Alex was in Alex Napping not too long ago, and they had a very, you know, you know, an indie rock sound. It was cool, you know, it was cool, but, you know, it wasn't the most original thing in the world. You know, I enjoyed it at the time, but, um, you know, there were some interesting melodies and stuff like that, but I can't say it's stuff that, like, really grew well, you know, uh, it didn't age well, I guess. But Dominic Sen, uh, this project is very interesting, you know, very inspired by a lot of pop tunes. It's definitely, it definitely kind of just awake, awoken, awoke, it definitely reignited, I guess that's a better word to say, uh, reignited like my love of pop music and pop music is not a dirty word, not at all. Um, 
I think a lot of people say, yeah, I don't like that pop stuff on the radio. Yeah, pop music is this, pop music is that, da 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 It's like, if you're saying that you don't really understand pop, pop music, number one, pop music is not a genre. It's not. Pop is just popular music. But there are certain things that go with pop music. You know, um, it's very organized. It's very carefully arranged. Like, um, it's meant to be catchy. It's meant to be, you know, listened to more than once. Very uh, sing-songy, you know. That's sing-songy. I guess songs that you can sing along to. You know what I mean? Um, and those types of songs are songs that, that happen to be, to get popular. You know what I mean? Like, if a band like Nails, who makes the, the most abrasive music that, you know, or Mersbow, makes a song that gets huge... You know, and top 40 radio decides to pick it up. You got yourself a pop song. That's it. That's all it takes to be a pop song, to be popular, you know. But, you know, Dominic Sen is definitely inspired by artists that just so happen to be popular, make these, you know, these lush, beautiful, catchy, melodic, lots of harmonies. Um, That's exactly what Dominic Sen is. And, yeah. And she's inspired by great pop acts like Chairlift. Um, And we talked about it when she was on the show. And how much we love Caroline Polachek. Um, And she had a solo album this year, which was uh, pretty interesting. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Um, But it's definitely interesting. It's definitely worth a listen. And it's, it's an example of great pop acts that are not top 40 if you hate top 40 acts. You know, if your problem is with top 40 acts... Your problem is with the artist, not really with the the sound that they're making. You know what I'm saying? But uh, Dominic Sen's uh, debut solo album, as Dominic Sen, uh, Visitor, is definitely one to listen to. Uh, a lot of different soundscapes here, and it's definitely an enjoyable listen. It's not in your face. You know, I don't want to say it's background music. I think that's kind of insulting in a way, you know, but it's something you can have in the background if you're like having a, you know, a get together of some sort or whatever. It's it's atmospheric to a degree, but there are songs here and, you, and some of them are danceable too. And I love that, you know, um, I love how, you know, Dominic Sin is not trying to put, you know, herself in a box creatively, you know, I think doing Dominic Sin kind of opens her creative pathways, you know, there's a lot more she can do with this sound that she's ushering in. And one, it's a sound that kind of makes her her. You know, Dominic Sen definitely stands out, I think. You know, another New York-based act, not sounding like a lot of other things happening in, in New York. If you put Dominic Sen on the bill, she's definitely going to stick out. And I got to see her live once at uh, Baby's All Right before this album came out. And, you know, she had some technical diff- difficulties, but she definitely played it off very, very well. And, and that's a sign of a great artist. Dominic Sen, Visitor, definitely check that album out. Oh, man, this next project. Speaking of songs to dance to, J Balvin and Bad Bunny. Um, They dropped the collaborative album this year, Oasis. Man, this album, as they say, slaps. It does. It slaps very hard. You put this on your car, it's it's an album to turn up to 11. A lot of, you know, if you go to... The Puerto Rican Day Parade, there's no reason why this album should not be played. It's a party album. But it's like an album's album, if that makes any sense. Like, J Balvin and Bad Bunny are constructing really good songs. Like, they're songs you can dance to, but they're really good songs. Does that make sense? Like, they have songs that are like, they really thought about it. You know what I mean? They thought about like, okay, we gotta, you know, have this part here, and this melody comes here. They have very good chemistry, if that makes any sense. Um... Oh, great. My phone just died. Let's take a little break while I figure out my phone situation. Oh, boy. Okay. I think I figured out my phone situation. It powered it off at 2% as it, as it normally does. When I plugged it into my laptop just now, it jumped a whopping 3%. That's right. I'm at 5% right now. Usually, when you know, in past years, when I plug in my phone, when it dies... It starts out at 1%. Usually, it's usually indicative of the power of a USB cable. That's what I've grown to understand. Because I've used a very shitty USB cable for probably like 6 or 7 years. That's right. I've had a USB cable for that long. And it worked for a while. But, you know, when your phone dies, 
especially if you're traveling in a place that you have no idea where you are and need your GPS or whatever, and your phone's at 1% and it won't turn on until it has enough power, um, I guess this USB cable that I just bought from Five Below, really powerful stuff, jumps 3% when you charge it in. And a lot of you guys probably do not give a shit about my phone troubles. So I'm going to jump right back into talking about um, J Balvin and Bad Bunny. Um, the most energetic party songs of this year, I think. Especially songs like Mojaita. You know, if that's not playing at your barbecue, you fucked up. For real. If that's not playing at your wedding, again, you fucked up. Um, yeah. These two together just kind of just make sense. Because usually when two popular artists come together, it doesn't work. Sometimes. But these dudes, they work so well. And I love Mi Gente. You know, Mi Gente was such a great song. Um, especially when Beyonce hopped on it. Um, it was a great party song. And it got stuck in your head. And a lot of songs on Oasis are that. And it has a lot of like... Modern Latin flavor, because that's why you have Bad Bunny there for you. He gives you the, the the modern Latin spin. And it has a lot of, like, you know, classic Latin Latin pop flavor on here. Um, and it got nominated for a Grammy, too, which I'm so glad. Um, because usually some popular songs are, you know, I don't love a lot of popular albums. And this was, you know, rel- I guess it was. I guess it was relatively popular, this album. Um... Well, I'm lying. There are a lot of great pop records that I love that come out each year. Um, but very few. Most of the albums that I listen to are not very popular. I guess that's music because not all music is popular. But anyway, I am rambling again because I want to pick out some of my favorite songs off this album. I can't think of it off the top of my head. You know, Mohaita comes to mind. And a lot of the songs are in a different language. So I'm trying to, you know, I don't want to mess up anything. You know what I mean? Um, Jay... J Balvin, J Balvin, J Balvin, Bad Bunny. Um, and I think Bad Bunny was at the Barclays Center recently, and I saw some pictures online. Whoa, that's a show. I saw fireworks, I saw dancers. I gotta see Bad Bunny live. Yeah, Mojita. Oh, Yo Le Go is amazing. Beautiful song. And K Pretendes? Yeah. Amazing. Oh, Cuidado Por Ahí. This this song is incredible. And I love at the end, like, the song kind of screws up a little bit. It slows down right at the end. Love it. Takes you on a journey. This is the Latin pop album of the year, I think. I don't want to put it in a box, but it's definitely, if you're looking for some Latin flavor, J Balvin and Bad Bunny, Oasis, definitely the album for you. All right, let's keep checking on this list. And this is only, like, 15 albums from the second half of the year. Because I don't want to bore you guys to death going through all 30 of my favorite albums of the year. So, who's next? Crumb. Oh, yeah. Crumb. I love Crumb. Um, New York Axe. Um, they dropped their debut album, Jinx. And when I first heard this album... Well, this album came out in June. So, it kind of just made the, the cutoff for the midterms. But I didn't put it on my top 15. Connor put it on his... I think he did. Um, but when I first listened to it, I didn't totally love it. I was low-key kind of bored with some of the songs on here. But I thought that, you know what? I have to give this album another listen because I really like Chrome. I think they're a very interesting group. And again, like, there's a lot of artists from New York that, you know, I absolutely love. Um, some of them kind of have similar sounds. But Chrome is, is again, they, they're cut from their own cloth. You know, they don't sound like a lot of New York acts. Um, And I gave this album another listen recently, a few months ago when I was putting this list together. And there's a lot of interesting soundscapes on here. Um, They really toy with this psych pop sound. You know what I mean? Because, you know, this decade, 60s psychedelic sounds were um, the rave to a degree. You know, you had acts acts like Tame Impala... Temples, definitely like Ty Siegel touring with a lot of like 60 psychedelic sounds. Um, and they do a great job with it. You know, their earlier, all acts I just named, their earlier albums 
were very they weighed their influence they wore their influence on their sleeves a, a lot but as you know as album as they aged as a group you know they kind of developed their own sound i can't say the same thing for temples by the way even though i love temples but you know certainty was definitely the step in the right direction um but their most recent album oh man they, they fell into blandness you know um and that's sad because they're very talented. Um, they have a lot of... Anyway, I digress. Back to Crumb. You don't want to make this a Temples podcast. Um, I caught Crumb at Elsewhere Hall a year ago. About a year ago. year and a half, two years ago. And they had Combo Chimbita open for them. And that was a remarkable show. Uh, and, and Crumb doesn't... I'm going to be honest here. They don't wow me live. Like I said this when, when Connor was on the show. They don't necessarily wow me live, but they have good songs. They make great songs, but not the greatest performance in the world. But I still would check them out. I still would because, again, this is just my opinion. And I really like Crumb. So if they came to New York again, I would go see them. I would, even though they're not my favorite act to see live. But Jinx has a lot of uh, strange psychedelic sounds that kind of mesh a lot of trip hop. You know, um... A little bit of uh, a lot of electronic soundscapes too. A little bit of some soul, some hip hop, uh, a little twinge of R and B, all in one. They're like a melting pot, and they kind of remind me of that band She Devils from Montreal, who I think broke up recently, which is a shame because I love what they did. I love their uh, production; it was gorgeous. Um, Avalanches too. That's another um, example of the sound that. Um, Crumb has a little bit, not too much, but just a little bit. Um, but Crumb is definitely one of the New York acts that you definitely should check out. And I think they're going to have a very exciting um, 2020s or 2020. Um, yeah, I think Jinx is a great debut. Um, their EPs, like the Lockheed EP, was awesome. Definitely go check that out. But Jinx is definitely like a step in the right direction for them. And I, I can't wait to see what they're going to do in the next decade. Okay, this next album. Definitely took the pop world by storm. And when I heard it earlier this year, it came out in March. I liked it, but I didn't love all of it. Maybe I wasn't in the right headspace to listen to it. But as some of the songs got more popular, and I started to hear them more, and again, like this artist was an artist I um, wanted to listen to. It wasn't just like, her popularity. Well, I just gave away the gender, but so you know that this artist is a woman. Um, her popularity had nothing to do with it. I was very interested in her as an artist, and I'm talking, of course, about Billie Eilish and her debut album, "When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go." So great. I'm glad an album like this is popular. And what's crazy about Billie Eilish? She's only 17 years old. She's gonna turn 18 in like a week, and her and her brother put together a fantastic album. Again, that's another example of artists that working to artists that work with like a select few of people for one album. I'm not not saying for your whole career, but just for one album, stick with a handful of people so you're not so cluttered with too many different contrasting views. You know what I mean? You have a set, you know, um one person to bounce off ideas, not too cluttered, you know what I mean? Not that working with a lot of people is a bad thing. I'm just saying I love when, when like one or two, one artist gets one producer or one engineer or whatever. And they just kind of make magic together. You know what I mean? Cause me as an individual, I work, be- I work better in situations where there, there's a small group, two or three or four people. I can't do large groups. You know, that's just me as a human being. Um, but Billie Eilish. Wow. Lots of creative soundscapes here. Um, taking pop music to another world. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to act, like, a certain way or sound a certain way. You know what I mean? I think she's cut from the cloth of, like, Lord, Because when she put her first album out early this decade, it was unlike any other pop album I heard. You know? And that was the first full-length album that I bought from iTunes. And I never bought an album from iTunes up until then. I never. I usually I buy them uh, at the time I bought physical albums, I still buy physical albums, but 
at the time, I just bought CDs, and I saw her, I had an iTunes gift card, I'm like, fuck it, let me just buy the Pure Heroin, I think the Deluxe Edition was only, only on iTunes, but she re- later, I think, re- released it physically, and really beautiful stuff there, and Lord was definitely, you know, against the grain, you know, there was nothing like her that was out that year, in the, in the pop world, and Billie Eilish is no exception, um, very inspired by a lot of, you know, hip-hop song structure, I'm not gonna say like, oh yeah, She's just like, you know, if, if they had, if she had Denzel Curry or Vince Staples, well, she worked with Vince Staples in the past. She had someone like Den- Denzel Curry come and rap over a track. It would fit. It would fit. Like, she's that, like, unique. And I can't wait to see what she, she's going to do next. You know, like, songs like Bad Guy. Oh, man. So wonderfully put together. I love it. And she has a beautiful voice. And how she uses harmonies on this album is wonderful. It's very spooky and sharp, and it just grabs your attention. Please do not sleep on Billie Eilish. You know, she's the hottest thing right now, and she got nominated for a bunch of Grammys. Well-deserved. Um, but don't sleep on her. And it, it'll make you rethink how you view pop music. And you know what? I hope she goes in the Lord direction and doesn't rush to put out a next album. Nope. Take a year, two years. And kind of create, take time to create something that's really going to stick. Because there's nothing wrong with dropping an album every year if the album that you put out yearly is good. You know, if she comes out in 2020 with another heater, great. But, you know, if you take time to create something interesting and kind of relax and unwind, because I'm sure she's exhausted from touring and all these interviews and and what have you, um, definitely take time to make another album. And I also want to add, that Billie Eilish, like her image is not, over, hasn't, her perception or her image is not very sexualized at all. She wears baggy clothing and it just shows you that that's not why you should pay attention to her. She's not out for attention. If she's going to make headlines, it's because of how good her music is. I love it. Billie Eilish is about one thing, the music. You know what I mean? Um, she's, she can definitely be a role model to young girls that you, you don't have to be sexy to grab attention, especially during, you know, this era of social media and, you know, an image and all, especially with women that everyone's trying to compete with each other. You know what I mean? Oh, this person posted this sexy picture, picture of of themselves. I'm going to outdo them by posting an even sexier picture. I'm not sure if that's what you know, young women are thinking, because I don't know what young women are thinking, because I'm not a young woman, but, um, you know, there's a lot of people online that kind of want to compete with people, you know, they see how people look, oh, they're so pretty, why can't I be that pretty, but Billie Eilish is like, you know, her music is just, I'm just about the music, it's not about how sexy I am, but there's nothing wrong with, like, you know, certain artists using their sexuality, there's nothing wrong with that at all, but, I just, I just care about the music. I don't care how you look like. I don't care about your image. I care about the music you make. That's it. Period. So definitely go give Billie Eilish um, a listen. And last but not least, on my favorite albums of the year, the second half of the year, rather, Reservoir. This is one of the most interesting jazz albums of the year. And you know what? You know, I can't say that I'm like the hugest um, uh, jazz aficionado. I'm not. You know, I do enjoy a little Miles Davis, enjoy a little John Coltrane. But there's some, you know, even a modern example of great jazz is uh, Irreversible Entanglements. There's been some jazz albums that I've heard recently that are just kind of just there. You know, just this is a jazz album. And this is what a jazz album sounds like. But Reservoir, nope, they aren't that. Reservoir are, you know, they use a lot of different soundscapes. And they they have jazz proper, a lot of horns. and But they kind of paint a picture. You know what I mean? Like, they kind of bring you into um, a certain setting. Like, uh, there's one song off their new album... Shit. Let me look it up real quick. Um, yeah, this is definitely the jazz album to listen to. I remember listening to this on the train, and it's just it's gorgeous. Let's see. What the hell was it called? No, it wasn't Taking Flight. 
the hell was it called? Was it Taking Flight? No, it wasn't Taking Flight. I think it was the self-titled song. Um, Escalator? Was it Escalator? No, it wasn't Escalator. The hell was the song? My God. I think it was the self-titled song. Let me listen real quick. Hold up. Yep. It was Reservoir. Yep. Um, their, their self-titled song, their eponymous song from their eponymous album has a lot of like seagulls, fly, uh, you know, flying around, a lot of sounds of the beach. You know, if you're away on vacation, like this is um, the album to listen to. And it's a different take on jazz and I absolutely love it. Definitely go uh, check it out. Uh, I think that's it. Wow. Yeah, that does it. The second half of the year. Um, but I want to get to some like community submissions and because I put a thing up on social media asking for your favorite album of the year or albums of the year. Um, and I'll talk about it on here. And my man Tucker from the Undesirable podcast, formal guest on the show, and I was on their podcast as well. Definitely go check out Undesirable's podcast. The most um, uncredible dating podcast. <laughs> I don't want to insult them, but... Um, it's a podcast for, for uh, a dating podcast made up of two people who should not be talking about dating, but they're very interesting and they definitely try to understand the dating world. Um, they had the creators of Bounce on there and Tom writes for Tinder. So yeah, definitely check them out. And Tucker, his album of the year was Blank Mass, Animated Violence Mild. And I've never heard of them and I gave them a listen and if you like a lot of raw, industrial, electronic stuff, this is for you. Not necessarily something I will listen to, but hey, if you like this kind of thing, definitely go check it out. Um, I can't really comment too much on the album because I didn't really listen to it. I heard a little bit of it, but um, hey, Tucker, man, you have an interesting taste in music. And he also, he wanted my thoughts on the new FKA Twigs album, uh, Magdalene. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, I gotta say, you know, FKA Twigs is a very unique artist. She's very creative. She takes, uh, I, I don't know if I want to call her R&B, but she has R&B in her music. But I'm not going to pigeonhole her into R&B. Um, she's very creative. She has a very interesting sound that I, I, you know, she doesn't sound like anybody, which is great. It's a plus. She's not, you know, trying to be like anybody else. But I have I had a hard time getting into this album. I really did. You know, I like the song with Future. What was it? Holy Terrain. It was very interesting um, to hear Future on something that wasn't, you know, like a trap sound. And he's really good at that trap stuff. And that's cool. But it's good to hear Future on a different type of, you know, song. Um, but I feel like a lot of this album was just, it was very artsy. And I just couldn't stick my teeth into anything. You know, I respected their creativity, but... There was no songs that I would go back and listen to. And that's just me, you know. And for some reason, Tucker wanted my opinion on the James Blake album, Assume Form. Uh, I remember when this album came out, a lot of people were, they lost their minds over this album. And they, everyone loved it. And it got great reviews. But I didn't like it at all. I was bored to tears with this album. Uh, James Blake has a beautiful voice. But a lot of these songs did not stand out, in my opinion. And the songs that did stand out were the songs that he had guests on. You know, um, I loved Mile High with Travis Scott and Metro Boomin, but it sounds like he was a guest on his own song. It sounded like a Travis Scott and Metro Boom song featuring James Blake, not the other way around, you know? And Barefoot in the Park with Rosalia was awesome, but again, it sounded like a Rosalia song featuring James Blake, you know? And I know it just wasn't for me. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't love it all that much. So uh, thank you, Tucker, for uh, submitting that. And um, yeah, um, I think that's all I got for the best of 2019. Um, a lot. I have a lot in store for 2020 for My Little Underground. So keep your eyes peeled, baby. Like Queens of the Stone Age. Just keep your eyes peeled, baby. Keep your eyes peeled. Peter A. Level 42. My Little Underground. You can follow me on all social media platforms. Not all of them, except for TikTok. Nope, not on TikTok. Will not do that. Um, I'm on Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram. It's Peter underscore A. And follow along because every day I'm posting my favorite album of the year. And at the end of 30 days, end of this month, 
on uh, New Year's Eve, I will share all 30 of my favorite albums of 2019 in one Spotify playlist. Oh, yeah. Get ready for that. Um, What else? Oh, yeah. My Little Underground. Subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube. I don't care where you hear podcasts. Just listen. I'm there. I'm everywhere. Um, follow the show as well at MLU Pod. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at MLU Pod. Subscribe. Use that hashtag MLU Pod if you want to talk to me about stuff. I don't care what it is. And oh yeah, let me add one more thing. You know, Spotify every year, if you have a Spotify premium account, they put together a thing that represents all the music. They put together compiled data of all the shit that you listen to on Spotify. And people share it on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever. They share it on the social media. There's some people that are annoyed by this. Why? People sharing their favorite music of the year. What is wrong with that? Why is that a problem? That's not a problem. That's awesome. There are very few things I talk about on social media. I talk about music a lot. I'm a big music fan. So when I hear a lot of people, at least for a week, just sharing their shit they listen to on Spotify, I think that's fucking awesome. Keep doing that. Keep doing that, please. You know, it's a it's a nice break from all the all the fake motivational posts and all the other crap, the unfunny memes, even though I like a few memes, but it's a break from all that shit. You know what I mean? It's just people talking about music for a little while. What's wrong with that? Anyway, it's Peter A, level 42, My Little Underground. I'm going to go cool down and go listen to some great albums. And get ready for 2020. All right? I'm out.